Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have our basketball episode. If you know why we're doing this, we're doing one basketball episode a week, and we're going to break down some games from the Big Ten. We try to do the big games right now. Once we get deeper into the season and football season's over, we'll probably do more of some of the littler games and stuff like that. But for now, we're doing the big games, and there have been some big games this past week that we're going to get into. We're also going to get into a new article that dropped by Ross Dellinger today about how the NCAA could be dead within five years. So we're going to talk about that, what that means, get the guy's thoughts. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to introduce our guests. First one, I'm going to have him introduce himself and tell you where you can find his podcast is Russ. Let us know about yourself and where people can find you. Yes, I'm Russ. I'm with uh, Boiler Express podcast. Uh, we do all things Purdue sports, uh, but with Big Banter, we take care of uh, Purdue football and Purdue basketball. Uh, you can find us on all the socials, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just look up Boiler Express. You'll find us there. Um, we're even doing some stuff on Instagram, doing little short videos and stuff like that. So, yeah, we do everything Purdue, uh, but with Big Banter, we specialize in basketball and football. So come check it out. Excellent. Yeah, go check out Russ. And then we have uh, making his first appearance on the Big Ten Huddle, one of our Java men, Nick. Nick, tell people about you and where they can find you at. Awesome. Thank you, JR. Hey, everyone. This is uh, Java Nick. Part of the Java Men Fighting Illini basketball podcast. So we are on all of where you get your local podcasts. Typically try to release an episode once a week, Wednesday or Thursday night, recapping the the previous week. We do a, a couple of um, what we like to say go-to segments. Uh, we, we love drinking Java. We love drinking rum. We love doing the pirate theme thing. You'll see if you check us out on Twitter. We're always posting videos or one of our or videos and uh, and photos you'll see one of our favorites coach underwood with the uh the pirate eye patch so so come check us out we we love talking to line eyeball and thanks for having me jr yeah hey glad to have you here man uh we got a comment already dylan says russ you are so handsome (laughs) (laughs) too kind too kind (laughs) uh normally he comes in and tells eric he's handsome so uh you're getting the special i've never met the guy before but he sounds like a really smart guy yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, i'm sure he's got great taste (laughs) all right guys let's get into our very oh before we do that uh please do like and subscribe on youtube if you're watching there if you're listening on podcast please do give us a rating we appreciate that follow us there and get an episode every single time it releases and do uh be aware we are brought to you by big banter sports big for all your big 10 media needs big 10 football and basketball you can find a show for every team and you can find this channel or you find this podcast over there as well. All right, got that stuff out of the way. Let's get over to the Ross Dellinger article that was released. So Ross Dellinger is put out an article saying basically the NCAA will be dead within five years and we will start seeing this great split that people have been talking about from some of like the power conferences and some of those like lower level. Um, I want to say group of five. I know it's not really group of five in basketball, but you get the gist of what I'm saying when I say that. So it's a bit of an interesting situation and there's a lot of content to cover in this article. I don't know if I want to just like read it to you and it would be boring, but basically the gist of it is, is that the Maryland athletic director, Damon Evans, came and had a meeting with some other athletic directors and some other important people in the Maryland uh, community and some some more even further than that and said basically that the power conferences will have revenue sharing for players within the next five years. He said, and I quote, I do believe five years from now that we will be at a point where we are sharing revenue with student athletes. Uh, He went on later to say it would not surprise me to see some sort of different type of governance structure in place that separates the P5 from the current structure. So obviously he's kind of talking about football there, but later on in the article, he goes on to talk about all revenue producing sports, which would obviously include basketball. So obviously since it's a basketball podcast, we're going to kind of focus more on basketball, but I'm sure both these guys will also touch on football as well. Uh, like I said, I don't want to go through the entire article and read everything, but that's basically the gist of it. Um, there's some more information about how like the March Madness could turn into like its own independent thing, kind of how like the college football playoffs are their own thing separate from the NCAA. So we might see something like that. Uh, but Russ, I want to go to you first. What were kind of your thoughts when you first read and heard about this information? Yeah. So, you know, it's something that I think the writing on the, it's been on the wall for a while now that even with this uh, recent stuff with Michigan, 
you know, that's part of the question with the NCAA is how much are they going to do because they know that their days are kind of numbered. You know, they know that there's these rumors with the power conferences becoming super conferences. You know, how long will the NCAA really still be necessary? Because, you know, they've, they've, been, they've been outdated for a while, right, with the playoff system, with the revenue share, with the NIL stuff. You know, even high schools have done this, right? Like you have prep schools and high schools that are just about sports that have said, hey, look, we're going to separate ourselves from, you know, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, insert state, state athletic association. We're going to do our own private high school, play these other private high schools. And if they premier product of guys that are going to go to the NBA or go to D1. And so it, it's only natural that the NCAA is eventually going to move to that. And the NIL is a great, it's a great system. It's a great idea. But without revenue sharing, it's, it wasn't going to last anyways because donors aren't going to keep opening up their pocketbooks for guys that might not pan out, you know, for guys that, that might end up transferred after a year. And so revenue sharing is something that needs to happen because it rewards the guys that are actually in the building at the time that are, that are doing the work in that specific season. And it's more of actual, you know, salary-based, you know, pay-for-play kind of based thing but within certain parameters that we've always needed. Yeah, and they they went on to say too that like the athletic a lot of the athletic directors and stuff feel like the NIL system is already broken. There's already flaws in it. There's already things, and I think anybody who watches college athletics knows that you know it's not fully developed. Um, and so what they're actually banking on is that this like thing, this like bill or whatever that's currently at Congress will make it so that the schools can actually bargain or the conferences can actually bargain with the players to give them money. But based on this bill by Congress, there would be an exemption that would no longer deem them to be employees, which is really strange. I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, Nick, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. One thing that I was thinking of, JR, when you were talking about this, and I don't know if you guys recently saw this, but the state of Missouri, and this kind of hits home for Mm -hmm. University of Illinois. So the, the state of Missouri passed a law that basically allows any state school in Missouri to pay high school players NIL money if they commit to a state school. So to me, I mean, going back to the original point, right, JR, like we're in uncharted waters using the Java men reference there. <laughs> I mean, it, think about it. We're going to see an evolution, I think, in the next five years. I know that's what the article is getting at, but I'm not sure anyone really knows where this is going to land. I, I'm frankly terrified of Missouri now getting the upper hand. If you think about some of the the top recruiting cities in the state of Missouri, that I mean, that's that's battleground between University of Illinois and University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. And if you're a high school kid and you're getting some money offered to you as a junior in high school, I mean, that's a no brainer to go to Missouri over U of I. So it almost it, it almost sets off this arms race in a way where in order for University of Illinois or state schools to keep up, you almost have to pass this law just to get kids to to stay local, to, you know, get kids to to commit to your school over the other. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, we talked about it with the transfer portal. It's it's like I said, it's uncharted waters. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that Missouri thing because it's important to realize that like the NCAA for a long, long time, what they have tried to do is they have tried to make everything equal and fair for all these schools, which we know is just not possible, right? I mean, going back to what Russ said about Michigan, I know this is football, but it it does pertain here. Um, This whole like no in-person scouting rule, that was all done from the beginning, not because it's like immoral or wrong. It was done because group of five schools wouldn't have the finances to be able to send people out to scout at different games because they would still have to buy tickets. They would still have to travel, do all of those things. So the NCAA has always been about, you know, what is fair. And I think at this point now it's like you've got the big 10 who just got a billion dollar you know sports contract tv contract and you've got you know what the mac who is <laughs> i don't even know what their tv contract makes but it doesn't make anywhere near that and yeah. so it's like how is this any how is any of this fair and it's kind of what is leading to this great you know like we said split or whatever we want to call it of why things like this are happening so uh Nick, you got looks like you got a Java man watching in there. Scott, there we go. Papiro, so. uh, Java speaking spy. of Michigan, too, Jr. Yeah, your go hoodies, ahead, Russ. 
your hoodie looks like very close no, to that. Okay, I was just <laughs> that, it's kid state. I mean, yeah, you gotta it's, you gotta be careful there. I know. Yeah, that color scheme is not the color scheme you should be wearing this week as an Iowa State fan. I'm just I, my the sister Javim, goes to Kent State, so I have an excuse. There we go. The Java men are adopting OSU for the weekend. We are very much on the Michigan hater bandwagon, and it's hard not to be the way that they've acted in this whole scandal. So I'll just throw that out there for the group. You guys are going to ruin the Ohio against the world stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your guys' thing? That's your guys' thing? Ohio no, that was the, the thing like in 2014, and yeah. then uh, Ryan Day kind of brought it back because he said it at the end of the Notre Dame game when he was – Yelling at Lou Holtz, but <laughs> you you guys see Harbaugh today? Uh, they asked him about what his respect level is for a day. Oh yeah, I posted about it. I said it's uh, and I got a lot of Michigan fans mad when I posted. <laughs> Jr., you're you're on point with the Twitter game, by the way. Hey, I have to thanks. compliment you. I appreciate that. Agreed. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you guys about with this, uh, and Russ, we'll go to you with this first, and Nick, then we'll get your comments. So this yep. new structure they're talking about is how schools can utilize the money, um, because they're going to get schools are going to get paid, but they don't want to just give these schools all this money and then them use it in a way that I guess the NCAA or whoever uh, is in charge without the NCAA doesn't see it fit. And so what they're actually talking about in this one of these models is that they would actually put a cap on coaches' salaries and say, you know, coaches can no longer make more than XYZ amount um, and that any money earned by, like, postseason play and stuff like that, that would have to be spent on uh, education and player health and well-being. So what they describe as that is, like, mental health stuff, which I think is fantastic. Every school should be operating uh, with those things. And then also like the trainer's room, more trainers, stuff like that. Uh, so Russ, what are your thoughts on the NCAA or whoever it is, like basically telling schools what they can do with the money? Well, this is, this is part of the Pandora's box that NIL kind of opened up that people warned about that said, you're not going to be able to put the brakes on this. You're not going to be able to keep it under control and under wraps. Like it's going to get out of control. It's going to get abused and you're going to have to micromanage the crap out of it eventually. You know, and the other part that that could, and this article kind of alluded to it, that could really throw a wrench into things is if the Power Five conferences they break apart, that's going to destroy some of the integrity and some of the things that we love about college sports, right? Right. Like, you know, what happens to the March Madness, right? We're we're going into basketball season. What, what happens to that? You know, now is it is it tainted now? Like now, if a team wins the national championship, is it like, oh, well, it's it's not really a national championship because right. now it's only like a pool of 70, 80, 90 schools instead of the 300 plus, you know? But yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it was it was almost hard to read <laughs> the, the way that they get into like, well, this money can, has to be regulated this way and this, but it's, I, I, I go back to, that's it's what people, you know, traditionalist old school guys like me that were like, hey, I don't know, I don't like NIL, it's gonna, it's gonna open yeah. this big box of worms and that's, or a can of worms. That's, that's what's happened. Right. So. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with Ross. I, I think the NCAA is in total scramble mode, right? I, I, I don't, I don't think they know what's best because we've never been here before. There's not a playbook. So it, it's just hard to, to see what happens from here. I, I'm, I'm very much like you, Russ, with the NIL. I, I, I love the fact that players are getting compensated. I think they should. I don't know how you control that. It's it's just the reality of the situation. But all these things that it's created now is just it's just tough when you're watching your team and you recruit a, a five star for the first time and your coach benches him because he's not playing defense and then you immediately know that he's going to transfer the next year, right? Just he's going to go to the next school that offers him playing time and more money. So it's just it kind of it's hard to be all the things that we love about college basketball, the loyalty, you love seeing these kids stay at the school for four or five years and, and kind of growing with them and watching them develop. You lose a lot of that. So yeah. That's the Purdue way. We, 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 yeah, we, we grow exactly. our guys. We keep them. Yeah. Yeah. I hear yeah, you. I mean the last, <laughs> you know, I'm a Buckeye fan. So the last player I can remember that really did that and will be remembered probably as the last guy who really did that was Aaron Kraft. And I'm sure both yeah. of you guys have somebody in your program that did that. Um, and when Aaron Kraft did it, it wasn't like it was sad because we knew it was going to be the one of the last ones because we didn't know it was going to be one of the last ones. Yeah. But like you were saying, Nick, I, like I'm looking at things now and it's like, 
you know, like when Chris Holtman started benching uh, Bruce, not Bruce, uh, Bryce Sensabaugh last year yep. in some of those games, I was like, okay, well, he's either going to go to the NBA or transfer, one of the two. And I really liked Bryce Sensabaugh. I thought he was a good player. Um, and I didn't know what was going to happen this season, too. I didn't know if Felix Akpara was going to come back with Zed Key coming back. I didn't know Bruce, Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale, those kind of guys. Um, and so it is really, really interesting to see because I agree I don't like NIL. But I think it's right for the players yeah, to be able to make absolutely. money. Yeah. So. Uh, well, one last thing I want to say too. Yeah. Is I know we talked about you know Pandora's box is opened. Oh no, what's around the corner? Is the NCAA dead? As a fan, don't don't panic. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's too much money involved in college sports for them to not figure this thing out and not get a good product on the court or on the field. And even if you're worried about your particular school, right? Like Purdue fans. They kind of panicked a little bit when NIL came out, right? Because it's like, oh, man, you know, Painter, especially with basketball, we've relied on these guys that stay for four or five years. But now if they can transfer and go make money more somewhere else, what's going to happen? The sky's falling. Well, what has Purdue done the last two years? Like take out the tournament, obviously. But we were number one in the country for the first time in school history two years in a row. You know, so it's it's not going to completely change you know, the landscape of college sports. It, it is and it isn't. You know, you're still going to see a good product. You're still going to see parity. You're still going to see it's not just going to be one or two super teams. Like it's it's still going to be a good product. And you're and if you're watching this, you're a Big Ten fan. So you're definitely yep. fine because the Big Ten is one of the super conferences. So <laughs> so we're good. <laughs> we're good. Adapt or die, right, Russ? You gotta yeah. adapt. Exactly. That's the only way. And there's plenty of rumors out there about like, you know, some schools won't be able to afford it. And oh my gosh, that Purdue fan is on the screen right now with the like gold top hat thing. Uh, sorry. But that like, that's the whole thing, right? That people are talking about is they're saying, you know, who, who's, who's going to not have the money to be able to do these things. Um, I don't think it's anybody in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is going to have plenty of money. Um, to do all these things. I read an article today that was talking about like, it's going to be the big 12. It's going to be some of the lower level ACC teams that are going to struggle more with this. And possibly they, they, they might be out of the power conferences just because they're not able to afford it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there, but all right. You guys got any more thoughts on this before we move on? Ready to move on. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to Purdue. So we have Purdue playing right now. Purdue is in a battle with Tennessee. It is 40 to 33 Ooh. as we speak. But who's winning? Who's winning? Uh, Purdue. Jimmy. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Pretty uh, good start to the second half, though. You know, I yeah, can't they were down at halftime, but uh, how many minutes left? 17. All right. Good. So, Someone's got to represent the Big Ten, right? Purdue's yeah. about the only team that's doing it right now. <laughs> Hey, don't um, sleep on Penn State and Nebraska now. You know, they're undefeated too, so. Yeah. We know well <laughs> enough about Penn State after they swept us in three games last year, so. <laughs> hey. Um, Purdue did play last night, and they beat Gonzaga 73-63. to 63. I, There's some people talking about they're really down on Gonzaga. I hate when this happens. I feel like, you know, Gonzaga is the number 11 in the country, all right? You can't watch Purdue beat them and then say, like, well, are they really, you know, even a top 20 team? It's like, no, they they beat them, all right? Purdue's one of the best teams in the country. Gonzaga lost. It's just the matter of fact of the way things are. Uh, Russ, we'll go to you thir- first. What do you think of this game? And then if you have any comments on the Tennessee-Purdue game right now. Yeah, man, I was um, I was listening to last week's episode, which – I encourage you all go back and if this is your first time listening to the Big Ten Huddle, there's a lot of great stuff out there that talk about all the teams in the Big Ten, and it's it's really good stuff as far as everybody's opinion and this, that, and the other. But I was listening to last week's basketball, especially with Brant on there, talking down Xavier after we beat Xavier. Xavier's they're they're ranked thirtieth in Ken Palm. Like they're a decent team, but this is the time of year, right? Where if if it's your team losing games or in close games, they're like, oh well. You know, Wright State's actually a lot better than you think they are. But if you don't like the team or if you're mad at Purdue for being the big dog, you're going to talk down, well, Xavier's lost a lot. I don't know how good they are. You know, it's <laughs> it's that time of year, right? And you know, So Grant so, was trashing Xavier? Is that what I, I was? I'm probably exaggerating a little yeah. bit there. He wasn't trashing them, but he was definitely doing what we're talking about, yeah, where like yeah, you okay, see him okay. lose to Purdue and you're like, well, are they that really episode. that good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, my biggest takeaway though to get back to last night's game um, is we didn't really play that well. You know, against, uh, Purdue didn't play really play that well of a game, that good of a game, and we still won it pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's my biggest takeaway because Gonzaga they still are going to be at least probably Sweet Sixteen, maybe even Elite Eighteen. 
you know, they're still a good ball club. Mark Few puts together a good team every year. And, you know, it's it's just a good kind of feel-out game at the beginning, beginning of the season here. Obviously, Purdue fans are already f- afraid of March and what's going to happen down the road. But mm-hmm. it's the Maui Invitational this year has been awesome for Purdue because we got the win against Gonzaga, which means now, regardless of what happens against Tennessee, we're going to get another game against a top-five team. And so that's you know that's what I'm taking away from the yesterday's game, today's game, and whatever whoever we play tomorrow is. It's just kind of a measuring stick right now. You know, there's not a lot of teams out there that want to play a lot of top level talent outside their conference, especially if you're in the Big Ten. You know, they don't want to take four or five losses in Big Ten play. But some of these programs that have built a better you know program like Painter has at Purdue, they have that luxury to kind of do that because they know we're still going to be competitive in the Big Ten. We don't have to stack up cupcakes. Um, so, but yeah, I mean. It, you look at the stats from last night and, and obviously ED finally kind of got his um, and he's, he's shown that he's going to go back for that national player of the year. And so it was good to see that, but um, it's, it's good to see our bench and how deep our bench is and how much they can contribute because to the first four games, our bench is actually shooting better than our, our starting five is percentage wise. So um, that's one thing I've taken away from last night and, and other games of the season as well. Yeah. Did you see the game last night, Nick? You have any thoughts? Yeah, I I mean the the Purdue, I guess the tournament they're in now that was reminiscent of what Illinois went through last year. We were in the I forget the name of the tournament, but it was in Vegas where we started the year against UCLA and then we played Virginia. And I Ross, I agree with what you're saying. I think it it tells you a lot about your team to start the year. I, I wasn't surprised at all to see Purdue dominate Gonzaga. I mean, I've I've seen it for the last three years when they play Illinois. Illinois and Purdue always have some awesome battles. Last year, really the last two years, um, Purdue's gotten the better of Illinois. You know, the, the one thing, and, and Russ, you know, I was thinking about, I, I knew I was I was coming on the pod tonight with a, a Boilermaker. And, you know, the, the one thing that we always kind of talked about, the Java men, when, when we had Kofi, very similar to Edie, right? That it's kind of a cheat code as a coach. And, and, you know, Brad, we'll get into his issues. He's, you know, we're, he, we don't think he's the best X and O guy. He's a cheat code. So you, you kind of just, you, you stroll your way through the season, dominate the Big Ten. But, you know, what happened with Illinois all those years, it happened a little bit with Purdue. What changes in March? I, I think you put, you play some teams. ED gets a little exposed on the pick and roll. You got to, you bring them outside. And then, you know, I, what do you, what's your view on what changes this March after the last two years that, that you guys saw? My view personally, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, how much time you have. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole um, I, I, I'm going to start turning into the, the boiler pods. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you look into the X's and O's and you look into the actual, the box score last year from the Fairleigh Dickinson game, um, the only thing you really see that stands out is we didn't shoot the ball well. Yeah, you know we went nineteen um, percent from three point land. We we hit what five of twenty six, and twenty five of those twenty six were wide open threes. And we're a team that shot what thirty five, thirty three percent on the season. So literally, if we sh- we make three or four more of those, it's we're not even talking about it, and we're yeah. probably on to the Sweet Sixteen or later or further. So it, you know, it's it's something that Painter has obviously struggled with. And if you listen to a lot of, um, you know, the the coaches shows for Purdue or the post game pressers. You know, he, he constantly talks about how he's he's always trying to learn. He's always trying to build his team around its strengths, but he's also always trying to, you know, come up with new ways, you know, to build his teams going into March to have it be guard centered or big centered or are we going to play play fast tempo or you know slower tempo? Like he, you know, he's definitely struggled with that. And I think it just comes down to that the NCAA tournament is just a it's a crapshoot. Yeah. You know, that's why we love it. Right? It's March Madness. It's a crapshoot. It's not, you know. In my opinion, it's harder to go win the regular season in the Big Ten than it is to win a, a three weekend tournament in March, because you could have one guy get hot for three weekends and you win a tournament, and especially if the tournament falls your way. But in the Big Ten, you can't hide. You can't have one or two good nights and then take the rest of the season off. Like you've got to grind every single night, and especially in the Big Ten, when you do that throughout the season and you get to March, you're you're worn down and you've got to find a way to play a completely different ball game against completely new opponents. Like it's tough. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Big Ten is notorious for beating up each other, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what probably we our say, problem. Dude? No, I, I mean I, that's where I was going, right? I think yeah. for all of our sakes, I think we just need a tournament where the Big Ten 
you know, we have a couple elite eight teams and a team wins it all. Right. I mean, it's been way too long. What was it? Michigan State, the last team? It is yeah. Just, yeah. For as much as, or something like that. Yeah. As much as people pick on Purdue because they're the latest top dog in the conference for not having tournament success, it's been 23 years since a Big Ten team's won the tournament. Yeah. You know, it's been four or five years since a Big Ten team even made the Final Four. Like there's been, I think, 10 or 11 different conferences put a team in the Final Four since the last time the Big Ten did it. So you can pick on us for us. We were you guys two years ago, if you guys are three years ago now. You remember Io Kofi, the one seed, and I'm going to say it, the Java men aren't going to be happy with me because we don't try to say the word on our podcast, but the Loyola game. Mm. The, Loy- mm. the Loyola game was yeah. two was hours. This, was it Sister, Sister Mary or who was Sister it? Jean. Sister Jean. So Jean, no yeah. joke, no joke. So my second girl was born about six months before that. So after that, I don't know if you guys remember that game, 11 a.m. game, Sister Jean had me on my knees, then I had to go baptize my daughter right after the game. Mm. A dagger, a dagger. Oh, so a I, dagger. I'm with you. It's I, we we need someone to step up. That's a that's the bottom line. Yeah, I was gonna looking at this Purdue Gonzaga game. I was gonna ask you, Russ. I, I had planned coming in here and saying, "Man, what do you do about Fletcher Lawyer? Right? O for six, O for three. Like, man." Colvin, Colvin is playing really well. Do you think there's a possibility? It's and then this, I just pulled up this Tennessee box score, and he's got 20 points. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good he thing the Tennessee died. game started an hour before we came on here because, yeah, he came out <laughs> lights out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd be having a bad take, and everybody would be in the comments telling me, uh, you know, I need to adjust that. But, but yeah, so. Um, no, Purdue, Purdue's looking really good, and they look good against Tennessee right now, um, better than they did in the first half. But we'll see where it goes from here. But, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that Purdue, at least in the Big Ten, is is the favorite still, and there's, there's nobody They're really the challenging them. So, all right, let's move on to our next game. Our next game, we have Illinois and Marquette. So, Illinois for, falls to Marquette. Um, I don't know if I really blame Illinois in this one. Um Tyler, what is it, Kolick, just yeah. kind of came alive and really just did whatever he had to do. If I had to be critical on anybody, it would probably be Coleman Hawkins, maybe a little bit on Brad Underwood with how he didn't play Dane Danger that much. So I don't know. Uh, what were he, what were your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I, I mean, you, you kind of hit it on the head there, uh, JB. I, I think that there's a, there's a couple things. Um, first off, I, I like that we're playing Marquette game three. Kind of to your point, Russ, you know, I don't like the cape, the, the cupcake schedule. So I, I love, you know, facing the best to see what we're made of. Coleman Hawkins is a player that basically. Scott's not uh, happy with you. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's, I, I knew, I knew he would not like that one. Um, All right, sorry. Speaking cool. of Java Scott, he, he was the one who put, so what we like to do is we do captain of the ship, walk the plank and Coleman Hawkins was on the plank. Uh-huh. Uh you listen to the last Java Men podcast yeah. episode. So I firmly believe that the Illinois season rides on the shoulders of Coleman Hawkins. Because if you watch that game, the first 20 minutes, Hawkins was atrocious. And just, I, he, I think actually came out now, he hasn't played the last two games. So I think he was hurt a little bit. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He kind of seems, you know, the last couple of years, he's a player that gets better throughout the year. So there was a 10-minute stretch in the second half where we ended up taking the lead by three, and they were, it was because of Coleman had about four straight plays that were that were off the charts. And then after that, it kind of faded back to, you know, it's just the consistency with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brad, right? I mean, it's we, we've, we always talk about the X's and O's with Brad, and it, it just seems like, the, you know, the other, the other coaches just always seems one step ahead of him, unfortunately. Brad, you know, we like to say Brad's a, a great, maybe even elite program builder, but he might not be the the guy that you want the last 10 minutes when you're drawing up a play. Um, you're right, though. It was the it was the Tyler Kolick show. It, he showed why he was a first team All-American. He was playing on one ankle. He dominated everybody on the court. He was getting to the hoop at will. Um, Terrence Shannon played good. He he's. He's by far our best player. He, the guy's electric. He can shoot. He can get to the hole. But it goes back to we we couldn't stop Kolick from getting to the hole. And every time TSJ tried to go left, they had it. They were playing like a matchup zone. They switched it up on D, 
and it just seemed like he couldn't get to the hole, and we were settling for threes. If you looked at points in the paint, we lost that battle by about 20. So mm-hmm. for us, it's going to come down to point guard play. We don't have a point guard. Um, it's going to be tough. We got to try to find somebody. We have uh, Nicolo Moretti from Italy. He played really well the last game. He got hurt at the end of the game, but he he showed some flashes of maybe being our point guard. Right now we're playing Ty Rogers at point, who's really, he's really like a small forward type. He he's he can't shoot, but the guy's all hustle. He, he'll out-rebound you. He'll box you out all day. The guy's got heart. But with this team, it comes down to three-point shooting, free-throw shooting, and turnovers. And it's kind of been the story the last three years. Russ, I don't know if you caught any of that game or if you have any observations from afar on the Illini. I'm curious to hear. Um, so I, I didn't, I did, I did some box score research on, on the game. I didn't actually watch the game. Um, but the thing that stood out to me on that was, you know, like you said, you guys had, had tied it. You made, you actually think you took like a 52 to 50 lead and then, uh, Marquette tied it back up at 52 all. And that was about 11 minutes left. And then yeah. the last 11 minutes, you guys made two shots. Yeah. The last 11 minutes. Um, and both were three pointers. So you just said three pointers. That's, you know, it was, uh, I think six Terrence Shannon free throws. Um, and he had a three and then I just had it. You had another guy hit a three, but so Terrence Shannon scored nine of your last 12 points, but you know, it's, you know, you talked about Purdue and Illinois, I guess we're just going to keep comparing them. Um, it, it did remind me of some of the years that Purdue, you know, we had a talented team, but our big issue might've been not having a point guard and that can lead to some cold stretches where you go, you know, eight, 10, 12 minutes, only making a basket or two. And you can't do that in the Big Ten, and you definitely can't do that in today's college of basketball when you're playing a top five team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Illinois has got the talent. You know, they've got the talent to compete and beat anybody on any any given night. Um, but like you said, Nick, it's the consistency. You know, you've got to have the consistency to to sit there and and not you know have those those cold stretches. You've got to have uh, a coach that can draw up an X and O play when you're in the middle of a, a, a three or four minute stretch where you need a bucket to stop the bleeding. You've got to be able to do that. And it, it looked like Illinois just struggled with that the last, you know, 10, yep. 11 minutes of that game. Um, and, you know, when you when you don't, you know, you go to the last 12 minutes of game hitting two shots, it's going to be hard to beat anybody, let alone a top five team in the country. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, you can't, it, it just seems too often it comes down to the last 10 minutes and you have 12, 10 seconds on the shot clock and it's Shannon trying to create. And it's just, you can't have that every play. You got to have some, some offense that you could go to consistently that gets you an easy bucket. And that's where I think the Illini will struggle down the stretch. Well, it's, it's hard to run an offense if you don't have a true point guard or a true yep. center, right? I mean, yep. Coleman Hawkins, uh, and I said that be at the beginning of the year, I think the, he has the talent to be, you know, in the size and everything to be the spectacular player. You just, severely lacks the consistency to do so uh terrence shannon jr struggled with consistency some too but not near to the level that uh coleman hawkins has and i just i don't know how brad underwood can put an offense together i mean this isn't the nba you know in the nba you can kind of go with or without a point guard without a center uh that kind of stuff but in college basketball i just don't know how you're able to put something like that together um And real quick before we move on, because mm-hmm. I, I want to, you had mentioned this and it was a great point, JB, of Dane Danger played three minutes. Yeah. And for some reason, um, under Brad chose to play Amani Hansberry over, uh, Hansberry is a top recruit. I think he was top 100 um, center, plays the same position as Dane, right? But he opted to go Hansberry who only played six minutes, right? But Hansberry came off the bench before Dane, which was a a surprise to everybody, especially Mm -hmm. in that game. I I don't understand the logic there of bringing your freshman against third game of the season against Marquette, who's ranked fourth in the country, where Dane's essentially, he's a red, I think redshirt junior at this point. And it it just, to me, doesn't make sense. Maybe in game, you know, 20, when you figure out what Hansberry is, but to go straight to Hansberry over Dane, I, they, they flashed to Dane on the bench. He wasn't thrilled. Uh, Dane Dane got a lot of PT against some cupcake schools the last two games. But problem with Dane, I'll just you know throw it out there real quick, and then we could we could move on from the Illini. But Dane is, I think, one of eleven from the free throw strike this year. That's not going to get it done. You, you can't play him. You just can't play him. 
yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a severe li- liability. Um, and with the way teams are playing now with so many players, especially early on in the season, you can afford to take those fouls and make that stuff happen. So, um, Sonny from uh, the Illini cast who covers football for Illini or the uh, Illinois, he said, Illinois being dropped out of the top 25 because of a loss to number four Marquette was ridiculous. I completely agree. Great I completely yeah. agree with that stuff. Why in the world are you dropping a team more than two spots when they lose to a team that's what twenty spots ahead of where the other team is? I, it especially we're penalizing, today. yeah, we're penalizing for playing a, a strong schedule. It makes no right. sense, right? Exactly. You know, you're going to give it to some team that didn't even beat anybody. So that's why uh, I would look at Ken Palm. That's it. Just worry about Ken Palm. Yeah, you know, Ken Palm. Yeah, yeah. AP that, AP poll right. just measures winning streaks. That's all it measures. Well, right. it's all just opinions. So stupid voters. <laughs> All right, Wisconsin making the Big Ten proud, sixty-five to Virgi- to forty-one against Virginia. Um, they bounced back. Uh, Wisconsin had a tough game against Tennessee not too long ago. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, well, I shouldn't say I don't know. I don't think that people had super high expectations for Wisconsin after that. Not that they played bad, but they were just kind of like, oh, okay, maybe this team has taken a step back. But you know, a twenty-four point win over Virginia. That's a good win uh, for them. So, um, Nick, what were some of your thoughts on this game? Um, I was surprised. Not going to lie. I did not expect to see Wisconsin dominate the way they did. Um, Virginia, I think we all know, they're notorious for having a strong D. It was a very, I think, good matchup, right? Like, Wisconsin's very similar. They are always they always play tough D. Um Probably not the most exciting game to watch. You know, the, Wisconsin struggled against the Illini the last couple of years. The, the Badgers and, and Juwan, just for your Michigan fans out there, Juwan Howard's still winless against Brand Underwood. Um, just I'll put that out there for you guys. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised. I think it's good for the Big Ten. I want Wisconsin to be as ranked as high as possible for when we play them. Yeah, I think so too. I think I was surprised. And uh, I thought Stephen Crow played played really well. Uh, you know, Crow's he- solid. He, yeah, he's yeah, and he 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 dealt with some injuries last year and stuff, and that really limited him to what he could really be. Uh, so it's nice to see him out there playing uh, more to his potential and who he truly is. Russ, what do you think of this one? Yeah, uh, you know, like like you all said, uh, especially Nick, you you know, twenty four point win over a team like Virginia is really like a forty point win over anybody else. <laughs> you know, it's, it's unheard of because Virginia plays so slow; it's so painful to watch. Yep. Like. When you look at it, you're like, is that, is that right? There's like a, there's got to be a typo. There's no way they beat them by 24 points. But I mean, Wisconsin's, it's similar to Illinois. I, I would put them maybe a tier or two below Illinois, but you know, they're, they're very talented. You know, they could compete with and maybe beat anybody on a given night. You know, we've looked at some of those, those lists. Um, we talked about the guard list a few weeks back. And, you know, you look at the bigs too. They've got, you know, with Crowell and, and Wall, they've got a couple of the best bigs in the Big Ten. Um, you know, with Hepburn and Asijian's obviously still battling, doing whatever he's doing with his injury. Uh, but their their leading scorer is AJ Starr, you know, a guy that maybe people didn't expect to make that big of a jump as what he has made. But, you know, they've got the talent, um, but they're already up and down, right? They've already lost to Tennessee. They lost at Providence, but then they go beat Virginia. So, you know, can they get some consistency? You know, that might be the key word tonight for some of these teams that we're going to talk about in the Big Ten is, you know, you got to be consistent. The Big Ten has got talent. They've got talent. Um, they can compete with darn near anybody on a given night, but you know you've got to string together wins to get a good seed in the tournament and to get in the spot to make a big run and to you know get some you know no some uh, honor back in the Big Ten name on the national stage. So. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Store. That was a name I was going to bring up as well, Russ. I, you know, yes, he's the leading scorer on the team right now. For him, I just I love his energy. I love how active he is off the ball. I love how active he is on defense. He reminds me of the guy you play at with the YMCA that like isn't very good, but he just runs more than everybody else. So eventually, he gets open because everybody else is tired of guarding him. Like a true Aaron Kraft fan, right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, he, li- listen, that's kind of what this Wisconsin team needs a little bit on offense. Sometimes, sometimes they get a little stagnant. I don't know if, you know, great guard, what he's doing sometimes with this offense. I really question it. I know Wisconsin fans have as well, but when you have somebody who has that energy and who has that movement, it gets everything else moving as well, because guys are like, Oh, this guy's, mo- I-, I better get moving too. Uh, and I think it's something they missed last year. Um, you know, a-, a player like that to be able to help them. So it's good to see him out there. And I think, 
think he played well in this one. Only played 21 minutes, but in those 21 minutes, he was effective. So any more thoughts on that one before we move on, guys? No. No. I, they, they got a good core. I'm, they're they're going to be tough. Yep, they are. All right. We're going to talk about Russ's second favorite team. Indiana. Louisville. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so Indiana beat Louisville. Uh, they also lost to UConn on Sunday. So we can talk about that if we want to, if you guys have any notes from that. But, um, you know, I figured we'll talk more about the most recent game and also IU won it. So, you know, probably nicer to the IU fans to do that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, Indiana, I, I've been watching Indiana quite a bit. My in-laws have season tickets, so I've gone to a few Indiana games this year. They're a very interesting team. I don't know if they've really shaken much of what people had to say about them before the year began. Uh, but Russ, I'm curious what your thoughts are. So did you all see um, or hear Mike Woodson's post-game comments? I missed After it. UConn? After Louisville. After Louisville. Oh, no, I didn't hear after Louisville. So those that didn't catch the game. Um, they were actually down to Louisville by like, I think it was two points or four points with just a little over four minutes to go in that game. Yeah. And they switched up to a zone and the zone basically oh. got them back in the game and won them the game. You, oh, you, you see it now? I, no, I, I heard. Yeah. No, keep going though. Keep going. So after the game, Mike Woodson got interviewed by Don Fisher on the, on the IU radio. And he said, it was the zone has got his back. I've never been a big zone guy. They just mentioned it in the huddle. I said, why not? We hadn't practiced it a whole lot. So it's a team that literally he just was like, let's throw something at the wall and hope it yeah. sticks. And uh, if I'm an IU fan, that worries me a little bit. But at the same time, it's like, hey, at least they're letting them kind of go play. But, um, you know, being in a in the Louisville area as I am, I, I'm familiar with the Louisville basketball program, and it's not in a great place. So no. Louisville's probably one of the worst Power 5 conference teams right now. So to barely beat them at the end of the game – on a Hail Mary of, hey, let's just try the zone and see how it works. Um, you know, I'd be worried. You know, I feel like we're going down the ladder of talented teams that aren't performing where they should. You know, we started up at Illinois as a top 25 team. Wisconsin's kind of on the outside looking in. And in Indiana, you know, they always get those four-star, those five-star guys that are supposed to save their program. And it just, it doesn't seem to pan out. Russ, I I saw the other, and this might have been satire, but I thought I saw a tweet that the Cardinals coach said after the game that he was tricked by the zone and that's why they lost. Was that, was that, yeah. yeah. Was that a joke? Was that satire or was that for real? That's for real. Um, uh, <laughs> they're not too that thrilled. Sounds like with, something would happen to Brad. <laughs> they, they're not too thrilled with Kenny Payne. Now it does make sense a little bit if you think about it, because yeah. Mike Woodson actually admitted Scott they don't, that. they don't play the zone much, <laughs> you know, they don't play the zone. So it's like, it's, it, you wouldn't study it. You wouldn't game plan for it. So yeah, it's like a, what the heck? They don't do this at all. Why are they playing this defense at the end of the game? So, I mean, but yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, I don't know if Kenny Payne makes it to the season for Louisville. So. <laughs> How long has he been the coach over there? Uh, this is only his second year. So yeah. last year they won, what, two games? I, I forget yeah. what their actual record was. But they lost to teams like Bellarmine. That's um, unbelievable. You know, they, they're one of their exhibition games they lost to. It wasn't Kentucky Christian, but it was uh, Kentucky Wesleyan. That they yeah. lost to in an exhibition game. Can't be it's losing like... to Kentucky religious schools. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, not good for the brand. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but sorry, I cut you off there, Russ. What were you saying? Oh no, you're good. You're good. That's enough Louisville talk, anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I. It doesn't really surprise me that Mike Woodson did that, um, just because he is like he is an NBA guy, you know, I mean, that's where, that's where he's kind of known for being and stuff like that. Um, and so it naturally he's going to bring in more NBA, you know, type of players, but that also can be difficult because the NBA type of players don't always have the, you know, drive that maybe the college players do, you know, like Tyler Kolick, he's, he's one of those guys that he is yeah. a great college player because he has the drive. Uh, he, he, he might do some good things in the NBA someday, but that, you know, I think it's pretty clear that's not what he's built for like some of these other players are. Um, and that's kind of what you have with Mike Woodson a little bit is you you have some really talented players. Kalo Ware is probably going to be in the NBA someday. He's going to do a good job. He has the size for it. He has the athleticism. Uh, he's starting to get out and get a better jumper. I think he hit two threes in this game against Louisville or something like that. Um, so, you know, it's huge for him. But Mike Woodson, he he doesn't coach – like a college coach. And sometimes yeah. I think that's a good thing. And then other times I'm not sure 
if it's the best thing. Um, but I definitely think he's better than uh, what uh, the Miller guy and Tom Crean were. So I feel like this Indiana program is at least better in that way. So, all right. Uh, got a couple comments here. Illinois better watch out on Friday. The Knicks are coming. Playing so, Western Illinois. Suck it, Java Nick. <laughs> <laughs> That's my buddy right there. I went to to Western. Shout out go. to Jay Shy Town C. There we go. Thanks for joining us, Jay. All right. Uh, before we move on, I gotta do the ad reads. So, college basketball analytics, CBB analytics. We get a free subscription for them in exchange for that. We do uh, do a promo for them every basketball podcast. So, uh, they have a lot of good analytics over there. I like the game recaps the best. If I ever miss a game, I feel like I watch the game by looking at their game recaps. They're really helpful. A lot of in depth depth stats. Um, I kind of say they're like the PFF of college basketball. So, if you ever think about you want numbers for basketball like what you get for football or something like that uh go check out cpb analytics all right our next game iowa played creighton so this was actually an interesting one um kind of some criticism but at the same time iowa also swept the uh men's basketball weekly accolades this week even though they lost to uh creighton here so it was an interesting one but um i don't know if this iowa team is anything much different than what they typically are, right? I mean, a lot of lot of offense, not a lot of defense. Um, you know, they're playing a lot of freshmen, but kind of seems to be the same thing all the time. Uh, Nick, going into this game, or, or talking about this game, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I actually was unable to watch this game, but I was not surprised to see the final score. I always like to circle Iowa on the Illini schedule. That's a get-right game for the Illini offense. Um, seems to be the only team that we can consistently put 90 on year in and year out. And I love the friend reaction. So um, I'm not surprised. I, I think uh, it's going to be a lot of that for Iowa. I see them probably hovering, you know, eight to 10 wins in the big 10 and a lot of 90 to 80 games. Yeah. It's just kind of a product of very little offense um, or not very little, very little defense being played and really having so much offense. And I feel like that kind of goes into the big 10 awards too, when you score a lot of points and have yep. those things that, that impacts it. Uh, Russ, you get eyes on this game. You have any thoughts? Um, you know, my thoughts are just when you get through the football season and the nepotism in the Iowa football program, you're reminded that it happens in basketball too. Cause his, his son plays. You think it's bad that the brothers are, are coaching together? It's now, now you get to see McCaffrey coach and McCaffrey run around the court trying to make plays. But uh, no, I, I agree. You know, it's we talked about um, a couple weeks back again um, what the Big Ten is going to look like. Is is the top going to separate? Uh, it's not looking like it's going to. It's looking like you're going to have a lot of those teams, like Nick said, hover around the eight to ten to twelve win mark, and every win. Every game in the Big Ten season could be a difference between being a nine seed or being a two seed in the Big Ten turn. Yeah, because um, you know Iowa's another team that they've got they've got the talent, um, but can they be consistent? Can they do it night in night out? Yeah, I mean, can can they? play defense is really what it comes down to. They have the offense. They're high powered enough. They can make things happen. Um, you know, they're, they're freshmen are doing a good job. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing for me is just, I don't know where the leadership is on this Iowa team. I don't know where it comes from. I know they have Patrick McCaffrey. Maybe he's there. Tony Perkins, I know has been there a while, so maybe he's doing something like that. But I mean, I just, I don't see like a fiery leader on the court. Like a lot of these really good teams have, um, you know, I see it with Purdue. I see it with, uh, even Indiana with Xavier Johnson. Like I see him be that fiery leader, uh, for them. I see it with Ohio state. I see it with Illinois, uh, where, where somebody steps up and they're, and they're this leader that's trying to get everybody and galvanize them together. I don't know if I see that on Iowa and I feel like that's going to impact them. That's because Fran brings all the fire. If you, yeah. you know, he, he, he brings all the fire and passion. Everybody else is too afraid to even come close to that. So they don't want to challenge this fire. JR, who's, um, who are the Hawkeyes? Who would you say their best player is? Is is Sanford up there? I I, I like that. Sanford so San, Sanford's like their best scorer. I don't know if I would consider him their best player, uh, just because he doesn't really do anything on defense. If I had to choose the best <laughs> player, I'd, I'd hate to say it, but I'd probably, Pick Patrick McCaffrey, maybe. Yeah, that's right. who I would probably say. 
So Tony Perkins lit up the Illini last year, but he was also and he Iowa did was Ohio running. State too. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Iowa also ran the same play every play down the court in the second half, and Brad played the same defense. So <laughs> take that for what it, what it is. You mean his players didn't come in and suggest they switch to his own? I, I was actually thinking, Ross. I mean, I would love that if, if somebody is like Brad. How about we try his own here? I, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> An Iowa player gets into the huddle with Fran. Fran, yeah. what if we play some more defense? No, 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 we can't. Do that. <laughs> switch up. Fran's, our Fran's hilarious, though. I like Fran. Oh, I still remember. I think it was last year when he had the stare down with the ref. Did you oh, guys see that? That was, that was unbelievable. <laughs> Which one? I feel like he did that every other game. I think it was a tournament game. Uh, it was yeah. either Big Ten tournament or NCAA yeah. tournament where he's just like. <laughs> and then they step closer to each other. <laughs> <laughs> the ref was not backing down either. Yeah, he was shorter than for the ref. That was yeah. great. Yeah. Oh man! All right, let's move on. Our last game. Uh, this is going to be kind of a depressing one, but Maryland falls to Villanova, who literally, like, just a week before, fell to Penn. <clears throat> now, granted, it was at Penn, so you know that I guess makes a difference. But still, I don't think uh, a team should be losing to Penn, uh, and it's kind of embarrassing that Maryland lost to Villanova. I checked in with our Turtleheads guys to see what they were thinking, uh, and they were none too happy about this game or Kevin Willard or anything going on. So um, did you guys get eyes on this game and have any thoughts? JR, can we get a welfare check on Turtlehead Tricky? He, yeah. he, can't, he cannot be happy yeah. with what's going on in College Park right now. I I, I actually caught this game, did you? and I – I couldn't believe what I was watching because Maryland looked so dysfunctional on offense. Mm-hmm. It, and when we, so as, as much as I like to say, you know, we beat on Wisconsin and Michigan the last couple of years, that's like Maryland on the flip side for Illinois. We, Brad cannot beat Maryland. I, I'm not sure if Brad has beaten Maryland or the last time that's happened hmm. and watching them in that game against Villanova, it's like they all forgot how to play basketball. And I, if I'm, not mistaken, I thought most of their team was returning from last year. I mean, Jameer Young, where was he? What What is going on with him? And then who's the, um, I'm blanking on the name. I think they, he the might freshman? come off the bench. No, he's a senior now. He's been on the team forever. Oh. Uh, uh, he might come off the bench now. He he can shoot a little bit from the outside. I'm blanking on his name. But Geronimo? No, no Geronimo's no. new this year. Lamoth? No, no. Uh-uh. I can't remember. Whatever this this guy, when he was a, a freshman, he dominated Illinois, and I just don't. He just hasn't improved. I, I I'm surprised to see that. I'll, I'll find the name when Dante Scott. Oh, Dante Scott. Guy. Yeah, yeah, Dante. Okay. Oh, yeah. Dante oh, Scott. He, start, he started. This, this guy. Year. He starts. Okay. He started as a freshman, and he dominated Illinois as a freshman. And I just don't understand how he's not at least like a second team Big Ten player. So I. We'll see. I I always regard you know Willard is a highly regarded coach in the Big Ten. We we did our our Big Ten rankings going into the year, and I think I had Willard at four. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know what's going on. Where'd you have Chris Holtman? Um. I think I had him rounding out top six. Okay. I think Holtman's a good coach. Yeah. Most Ohio State fans are in the basement. So yeah. Um. Well, <laughs> I, it's been a rough couple of years, but I mean, before then, I thought you know he's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just always curious what other people's thoughts are are on him because every Ohio State fan is so down on him. But yeah, I mean, I'm um, a little biased, right? Chris Collins was at the basement. For oh me, yeah, but that's yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up Jameer Young. Jameer Young is kind of like the biggest part of all of this going on right now. Um, he is just not played well. It's not played like not played like himself. Um, it almost feels like Jameer Young looks around and he's like, oh wow, I have other teammates that. I don't have to do everything now. And it's almost like he feels this pressure to like not do everything. When yeah. in reality, there are some times where I'm like, Jameer, just like take it. Do, you know, do what needs to be done in this situation. Um, but it's like he's trying to be this team player um, that I, I just don't know that he always has to. He has to be. He needs that like killer alpha instinct to to go out and make the play that needs to be played. Have you seen well, that, Russ? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, one of his biggest tools you know, when I was getting, uh, trying to get Jordan going, uh, when he was on here with me, um, you know, <laughs> Jameer Young's a volume guy, right? That's, that's my line. He's a, he's a volume guy, but, but in all reality, like he's a volume guy because you'll see a stat line that'll say like three for 11 
but somehow he scored 22 points. Well, how do you do that? Because he goes to the free throw line yeah. 12, 14, 16 times a game. Well, he's only had one game where he's gone to the free throw line more than four times. Yeah. And so this game he went and, zero. Exactly. He didn't get to the free throw line at all. And that, if he's not doing that, if he's not forcing the action and getting the other team in foul trouble and then also getting those those free buckets at the at the charity stripe, like yeah, they're not it's not gonna work out. They're gonna put up 40 points and and not be in a ball game. You know, he can't he can't score nine points and expect them to be competitive. He's he's just he's too important to their success and their failure this year um to to not make it happen. He's got to step up or or this could be a rough, rough year for Maryland. I will say uh, I just remembered that they played tonight, so I looked at the box score really fast, oh, and he had twenty oh. against uh, UMBC uh, and was nine for eleven from the free throw line. So volume guy, for us. Yeah. so they're at least the best team in their state, maybe. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all UMBC, right. you know they weren't they the team that upset Virginia? They were, what and they the almost final? beat Louisville. Going back to Louisville, I, I yeah. hate bringing that again. But, yeah. um, they literally they should have beat Louisville, but they they threw it away at the end of the game. But yeah, yeah. what yeah, was so, the final, Jr. Uh, ninety-two to sixty-eight. So all right, so they got a get right game. They yeah. they needed that. That was their way. first game of over seventy points. Wow. I, oh, I was a little insulted when the big banter rankings came out and Jameer was ahead of for shooting guard. Jameer was ahead of TSJ. <laughs> there were a lot of people insulted by those guard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I I do hope that Maryland kind of gets right because I do I do feel like there's a lot of talent on this team. Um, I think Jordan Geronimo. I don't know. I just, I kind of hope that he has a resurgence, but it doesn't look like it. I mean, he had more fouls than he had points in this game. Uh, and he played for 15 minutes. So it's like, you know, how, how much production are you really bringing when you're doing that? Uh, fresh, the freshman DHS, he's not been spectacular so far, but at the same time, it's like, you know, are you, you really want all of your offense to be put on this true freshman? I mean, he's, he's got over 10 points. Uh, three times now because he had 12 against UMBC, but still like, you know, only two points against Villanova. Um, I don't know. I, I just think there's some holes in this offense that they need to fix. Uh, it's good to see UMBC that they kind of had a bit of a resurgence there, but they're gonna have to make it happen against the better teams, um, down the stretch. So you guys got any more thoughts before we get done with Maryland? I, I want to poke the bear a little bit here and see if I can't get you guys going. Cause I know, Everybody likes to hate the, hate the team at the top and hate the guy at the top. So um, I know a big narrative, a big um, storyline last year in the Big Ten was how Zach Eady is officiated. So I would just love to hear your guys' thoughts, especially an Illinois fan. When you talk about Kofi being yeah. a similar style player that just gets beat on and beat on and beat on. I, I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that. You can take this first, Nick. I, I think uh, – <laughs> um, I think the refs were a lot more unfair to Kofi than Edie. If if I got to be honest with you, Russ, I I just you know Edie Edie's also bigger than Kofi, like way bigger than Kofi, and Kofi is the the biggest player I think in Illinois history. Like he was a monster, and Kofi made him or and Edie made him look small. But I <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because I. Yeah, you know, Edie bumps someone, and they go flying. So it, it's it's hard player to officiate. I think more so, just the officiating's bad. I mean, we could talk about football officiating as well, just college officiating in general. Um, the Java spy who was Chav, uh, uh, he was he was doing the chat here, notorious for hating the zebras. Uh, they just Illini always seem to be on the on the wrong side of things. But yeah, I mean, I. I I like to hit on Edie a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you, Russ. What about you, JR? So I I don't hate, like, Edie off the court. Edie's one of those guys oh, that, yeah, like, I course. feel like off the court and everything, like, he seems like he's really, really good and, like, his story and everything like that. So it's kind of hard for me to hate him on the court because I, I let my heart get into it too much where I'm like, oh, well, personally, I don't think I hate this guy. But uh, <laughs> Edie's the guy that I don't, like, I, I'll be honest and say he's really good. But at the same time, I'm also going to be honest and say that I think he gets away with stuff that other guys don't get away with. I mean, I, I've seen Zed Key, who is way smaller than 
uh, Zach Eady do things to guys, and he gets called for it. And then I see Zach Eady do it to Zed Key, uh, kind of going back to that injury last year, um, <laughs> and, and he doesn't get called for it. And so um, I, I am a bit understanding because I get that it's like it's really hard to officiate somebody who's seven four and everybody else is like under seven foot. I mean, you know, imagine me playing in like a fifth grade basketball game. You know how. <laughs> <laughs> How would they officiate that? Um, so I don't know if I necessarily blame him for it. It does frustrate me off, like, not watching a game. I don't get as frustrated about it. But definitely, like, last year when when uh, Zed Key got hurt when he was playing against Zach Eady, uh, that did really, really frustrate me. But, again, I can't really say it's, like, Zach Eady's fault. He's just playing his game, and, you know, the refs are going to be what the refs are. So. Russ, there, were, there was an Illini-Purdue game. It was when Kofi... It was last year of Kofi, so I think Edie was a sophomore. It was a holiday, so it was like an 11 a.m. or noon game. I don't know if you remember that game. It was at, in Champaign, and it went, went into overtime. Unbelievable game. But I'm tainted because in that game, Edie elbowed, I think it was one where he had the ball, brought it above his head, elbowed Kofi right in the, head, right in the face, and there was no foul call. And Kofi had to, literally had to take a seat because he was what seemed like he was concussed. So I, I'm a little scarred from that, but I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you feel completely on the other side of the, the scale because that's how we all felt with Kofi, where he's just getting absolutely mauled every play. So, so one thing that's been interesting with him this year is last year, he kind of, obviously the, the team as a whole burst on the scene, right? Purdue was right. not ranked coming into the season. Edie was coming into his junior year, but he didn't average more than like 18 or 19 minutes a game because yeah. we don't, we'd always had the two bigs that we kind of rotated. So last year was the first year that he actually got to play 30, 35 minutes a game. And this year you're already hearing from guys, especially like Jay Billis and those types that my challenge to you as a, as a basketball fan would be just watch Zach Edie when you play, watch Purdue play and just watch him go up and down the court a few times because you know, one thing I've heard a lot this year already is you could call a foul against Zach Eady on like every play. Yeah. But at the same time on offense or when, when he's playing defense, it's like everything he does is going to throw somebody off because he's just a giant dude. But the guy, especially the second half of the season last year, once he started getting the national player of the year narrative going, you, you'd see him in post-game pressers and he's got cuts and he's yeah. bleeding and he's bruised up because the, if you watch dudes playing on the post, he's just getting beat and beat and beat and one strategy that has challenged Purdue is kind of the unspoken strategy in college basketball, which is they can't call every foul, right? Like no coach is going to come out and say, that's our game plan is we're going to just beat the crap out of Edie because they're not going to play every single foul, but they'll say, Hey, we're going to take the physical fight to them. We're going to, we're just going to play physical, but then they'll complain about, Oh, we've Edie fouled out two or three guys. But like, I I think that's the strategy that people play against Purdue is just beat the crap out of them knowing that they're not going to call everything. And then yep. Edie is so big that, yeah, he grabs the ball and he turns and he's hitting somebody with his elbow. So it's yeah. it's hard. Like I'm watching the Tennessee game tonight and we're struggling because Edie can't – I didn't see the minutes, but Edie can't have played more than 15 minutes tonight because he literally – every time he goes up for rebound, they call a foul and he's sitting back down. One, yeah. The last – I think his fourth foul he picked up with like 10 minutes left in the game tonight, they showed a replay and he's literally standing in spot, reaches straight up to grab the ball, and they called a foul on him. And it's his fourth foul. So it's like, yeah. what is he supposed to do? So – I, oh, I real curious. quick, Russ. So s- spot on with how it was with Kofi. I think even the ref told Brad during one game that we would have to call a foul on every play. And Brad's like, yeah, if it's a foul, call a foul on every play. Like that's how you have to. Painter said the same thing. Almost it's ridiculous yeah. that like they yeah. say we can't call. I mean, if it's a foul, it's a foul, right? Like you can't just say <laughs> we're not going to call it because we can't call it every time. So I yeah. I can empathize with you for sure there's it's it's tough but Edie is super impressive the the way the guy can shoot free throws that was the one thing he could do that Kofi could not I mean that's a game changer it's a game changer yep. Kofi was yep. always like 50 to 55 percent and it was I mean that yeah, loss I think was, a lot was of around 70 percent last year so yeah that was that, a big part of him being the player of the year yeah 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 no I do sympathize with with Edie you know a bit because I do get it like like I was saying you know if I played against fifth graders for an entire game you know probably look like I was fouling them the entire game too um so I but but Nick's exactly right it's it's the unfortunate fact of what officiating has basically become 
in college athletics. I mean, these guys aren't full time. Yeah. Uh, and, and every now and then, like, I think there was a story last year, like one ref coached or uh, coached, he uh, refereed like six games in seven days or something like that, because they want the best refs every single time <laughs> oh, uh, because the terrible refs suck. Uh, and, and like they interviewed him about it and he was like, oh yeah, that's not uncommon at all. He was like, I could, I could referee 28 games in a month. You know. Well, and, and part of the, the problem in, in college basketball, too, is these officials will be all over the country. So they'll, they'll yeah. call six games in seven days, but they'll call a game at UCLA and then go call a game at Baylor and then go yeah. call a game at UConn. So they're and hopping go- on a flight right after the game. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So. All right. Any more thoughts before we get out of here, guys? Nothing for me, JR. All right. Thanks for hey. having me. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming for, on, guys. You guys are welcome back anytime. Uh, just sign up on the sheet. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Appreciate you. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. Peace. I L L.